Welcome to the Faith Broadcast. Thank you for streaming this message. I believe this message will encourage you, it will inspire you, and it'll help you live the supernatural lifestyle of faith. We want you to live this supernatural lifestyle of faith, not have supernatural moments, but have it as a lifestyle. So we put all of this content out for you to receive so you can grow and live the life that Jesus made available for you. To find more information about our ministry and our resources, you can visit us at FCCGA.com or you can download our Faith Plus app. Our Faith Plus app has thousands of hours of faith building content and it's available in your app store right now. Open your heart. God's going to share something special to you through this message. Do you know about one of the wonderful things it is that victory belongs to Jesus? If you belong to Jesus, victory now belongs to you. The scripture says, thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph. And also, thanks be to God who always gives us the victory. So whatever challenge you're facing this week, whatever situation, I want you to know that God has a gift for you. It's called victory. The thing is, can you work for a gift? No, you have to receive a gift. And how do you receive gifts? By faith. And what's a good thing to do after someone gives you a gift? What's just the polite thing to do? Thank Say thank you. And so if you really believe that no matter what you're facing this week, that God's going to cause you to triumph, that you're more than a conqueror through him that loves you, that you're an overcomer by your faith, you should just take a moment and tell God, thank you. Before it even shows up, thank you. Before it changes, thank you. Before you turn it around, thank you. Because we know the character of our God. That no matter what the doctor's reports say, he is Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals us and takes sickness away from the midst of us. We know no matter what the big problem is, he's Jehovah Jireh, the God who sees and provides. He's El Shaddai, he's the God who's more than enough. He's the God of all grace because all grace abound towards us. So we have all sufficiency in all things and we are bound to every good work. He is Jehovah Shalom, the God who sends peace. He's Jehovah Tiskanu, the God who makes everything right. He is our righteousness. And so when we look at life's circumstances and challenges, we know we're on the winning side. When you were born again, you weren't born again to lose. You were born again to win. God did not write any defeats. He wrote your victory story. Yes, there's a lot of things going on in the world right now. Yes, there's a lot of craziness and darkness. But don't obsess about the darkness. You're the light. Don't obsess about the bad things. You're the salt. You are here for such a time as this. We know every day we get closer to the return of the Lord. But he's not coming back for a weak church, a defeated church. A church that's on the run. He's coming back for a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. He's coming back for a church that's walking in victory, that's being the light, that's being the salt, that's showing the love of God, walking in the power of God. Our best is yet to come. This is the time for miracles, signs, and wonders. This is the time for breakthrough from God. This is the time of great victories. The greatest hour of the people of God is here. The greatest hour is not Bible days. God doesn't do things in a decreasing way. The greatest hour is here. And he's picked you for such a time as this. You are not an accident. You are not a mistake. You are here on purpose. And God's plan for your life is good. 
supposed to walk around with our head down going, what are we going to do? I know what we're going to do. We're going to win. Oh, what's going to happen? God's going to come through. Well, what about this? God's got it. We have a lot of whatabouts. But I remind you what Jesus said in Mark 11. Have faith in God. Well, what about the economy? Have faith in God. What about what's on the news? Have faith in God. What did my doctor say? Have faith faith in God. But you know what happened to me this week? Have faith in God. You're on the winning side. You're more than a conqueror. I'm not saying you're going to be more than a conqueror. Once you are born again, everything changed. You are a conqueror now. You are an overcomer now. You are victorious now. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus now, see yourself the way the Word sees you. See yourself the way God sees you. And so then you're able to lift your hands to God, I thank you for the victory. Because I know I'm on the winning side. I know that you cause all things to work together for my good. I know it's not over. As we sang last week, there's still more to our story. God has great things in store. Never forget it. The glory of the latter house is always greater than the glory of the former house. You've seen some good things, but you ain't seen nothing yet. Father, we thank you for being good. We thank you for loving us. We thank you for always taking care of us. So we take this moment and this experience to cast our cares upon you because you care for us and you always take care of us in grand style. In Jesus' name, amen, and so be it. Welcome to Faith, everyone. We're so glad you're here at today's Faith Experience. We believe that something good is going to happen to you, so you should expect miracles. Anytime you call his name, anytime, no matter what you've done, no matter how bad it is, no matter how small or insignificant you think it may be, no matter what anybody else thinks, anytime you call his name, Jesus is immediately right there with his hand extended to help you every single time without fail, leaving out no detail according to his word. He has made many promises, and his power, his power will meet your faith the size of a mustard seed every single time you call his name, no matter why, no matter what, no matter if you shouldn't have been there or not. You were never supposed to be there. He told you not to be there. You're in this situation because you stepped into it knowing better and he asks you to run boldly to his throne to receive help not to receive condemnation he says there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus he asks us to repent to turn 
to learn because his desire and his will above all else is that we prosper and be in health to the measure, to the degree that our soul prospers. So he asks us to run boldly to him because he will never turn his back on you. He will never not extend his hand. And most importantly to me, he will never not pull you right on up from wherever it is that you find yourself that you know you do not belong because you are a child of the most high God every single time without fail. And then he will teach you. He will lead you. He will guide you. Our God is a God who leads, who delivers. He will speak to you. He will speak to you in his word. He will speak to you with your pastors. He will speak to you at your job. He will speak to you while you sleep. He will speak to you in your car. He will speak to you watching TV. As long as you will listen, he will speak every single time to turn it around so that you never find yourself in that situation with the people that you should never been with in the first place because you are worth way more than that. You were bought with a price. And it will never not work. Every single time your faith is present, the power of God will meet your faith. It is his job to supply the power. It is our job to believe that he loves us this much to do what he has said. God is not a man that he should lie. The psalm says, I would have lost heart or I would have fainted unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Now, we said this word goodness, from, this verse is from the Hebrew, means prosperity, good things, property, supply, provision, good in the widest sense of the word, and good to the farthest extreme. We said this word wait means to eagerly expect and look for. Waiting on the Lord does not mean to sit down and do nothing. Waiting is not passive. Waiting is not an action. A lot of people use a religious phrase, well, I'm waiting on God, to mean they're doing nothing. But that's not what the Bible tells us to do. When we're waiting on God, it's an attitude of expectation for God to show up and show out. But while we're in the attitude of expectation, we're doing everything he tells us to do. So waiting does not mean do nothing. And we're going to talk about some things. Some of you are waiting on God in some areas, and we're going to make sure that you're doing some of these things that you need to do, where his purpose and his plan for your life is concerned. Go with me to Psalm 65. Psalm 65, verse 11. Another scripture we looked at a couple months ago, but we're going to look at it again. Psalm 65, verse 11. It says, you crown or you surround the year with your goodness, and your paths drip with abundance. They drop on the pastures of the wilderness, and the little hills rejoice on every side. And so this, your life or your year is surrounded by goodness. Say, my life and my year is surrounded by goodness. But then notice what it says here. They drop on the pastures of the wilderness, and the little hills rejoice on every side. God's paths are dripping with abundance. The path God has you on is dripping in abundance. But it's so much, it's not just enough for you. 
The path God has you on will cause valleys to transform, cause wildernesses to transform. The path God takes you through, you say, well, I don't know why I'm going through this valley of the shadow of death, to bring someone out. Because there are people in the world who camp out, live, and build resorts in the darkness, in the shadow of death. They've never seen the light one day in their lives. And so you're going through this season wondering, well, why am I here? Why am I at this job? Why am I in this career? Why am I in this neighborhood? Why am I dealing with these people? To snatch people out of darkness, to snatch people out of hell, to snatch people out of the curse. That's why you're there. You're the salt. You're the light. And she's like, well, I don't know why God always puts me, you know, working in this challenging job. Now, I finally got this job to turn around, and it's good, and they transferred me to another department. And this department is more jacked up than the last one. Why did they transfer you? Because it worked. What's on you and what's on your path is supposed to transform wherever you go. That if God puts you in a jacked up place, if you stay there long enough, it should look like Eden. What's on you is not just for you. You have to understand, when you're anointed, it's not just so that you can have spiritual goosebumps. He anoints you for somebody else. And the anointing is not just for those who stand in the pulpit or for the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. The anointing is for every single Christian to operate where God has called them to operate. So if he's called you to media, you're supposed to be anointed to deal with it. If he's called you to business, you're supposed to be anointed to deal with it. If he's called you to government and education, you're anointed to be there. And the anointing is the ability to produce results. If God has sent you there, you're there on assignment, and you're anointed to deal with it. That means anything the enemy can throw in front of you, you're already authorized to beat. Do you mind if I take this a little bit deeper? Can I take it a little bit deeper? Remember when God commissioned Moses. Read through in Exodus chapter 3 through chapter 6. When God commissioned Moses, and he had to deal with a hard-headed, hard-hearted Pharaoh. Do you know what God told Moses, this old covenant man, who the law hasn't been given yet? He said, I'm going to make you God to Pharaoh. See, some of you are like, oh, that's too much for me. Let me try this side. <laughs> he said, I'm going to make Aaron your prophet, but I'm going to make you God to Pharaoh. The authority you've been given in the name of Jesus makes everything Satan throws at you bow down. But you have to use that authority. That authority won't work if you're off the path. That authority won't work if you're off the plan. That authority won't work if you're not in your post. Because when we're talking about God's purpose, we have to talk about the plan, the path, and the post. A lot of people try to use the principles of faith, but they're off the plan, off the path, off the post, and wondering, why is it not working for me? You're not authorized to use your authority there. You're out of your jurisdiction. If you want that authority in the name of Jesus to work with you, you got to get back in the plan, get back on the path, and get back at your Post. There's too many Christians going AWOL, absent without leave, and wondering why their faith is not working the way it should. Well, I confess the scriptures. I gave once. 
I came to church sometime in the last couple years. I listened to a message. Why is my faith not working? Are you in the place God has called you to be? Go to Ephesians chapter 2. None of us are an accident. God has a plan for each and every one of us. Ephesians chapter 2. God's plan for your life is good. So say it out loud once again and put it in the chat. Say, God's plan for my life is good. Because it has to be good if he surrounded your year with goodness. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. We'll read it from the Amplified Version. It says, for we are, mis- we are his workmanship, his own masterwork, a work of art. Another translation says, a masterpiece. Created in Christ Jesus, reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, ready to be used for good works, which God prepared for us beforehand, taking paths which he set so that we would walk in them, living the good life. Say good life. Come on, say it out loud again and put it in the chat. Say good life, which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. Notice it's paths plural. Because some people say, well, it just happened and it worked out for my good. It must have been God's plan all along. No. So many Christians live off of mercy when they should be living off of grace and harvest. Well, it worked out. Yeah, the mercy of God. Well, I must have had faith. No, somebody had faith and prayed your tail through. It might have been great-great-grandma a hundred-some years ago who prayed. But it doesn't mean it was your faith. It might have just been Mercy. You say, oh, you know, God is sovereign. If, it, if he wants it to happen, it happens. That's not what the Bible says. The will of God is not automatic. Say, the will of God is not automatic. Well, how do you know that, Pastor? What does it tell us in 1 Timothy? God wills that everyone be saved. Will everyone be saved? No. Doesn't mean God doesn't want it to happen. But people have to line up their will to his will and accept Jesus in their heart. And make him the Lord and Savior. If they want to be saved. God wants them to be saved more than they want to be saved. But the will of God is not automatic. And so there's so many Christians, things work out for them, and they get to the place God has for them eventually. Eventually being the key word. But it doesn't mean God wanted them to miss out on decades in the promises of God. Decades in his presence. Decades enjoying his goodness. Oh, Pastor, you have another example? Sure I do. Let's talk about the first generation that left Egypt, right? Was it God's will that they walk around in the desert and die early for 40 years? No, 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 no. To get to the promised land should only take it a couple weeks. And God said, you ain't ready for that. You might run if you see battle, so I'm going to take you the long route. And guess how much the long route was supposed to take? A little bit less than two years. But it took a little bit longer to get there because 10 different times when something happened to them, they complained, they whined, they murmured, which means they kept complaining and they came to a stop. You gotta watch your mouth, it will stop your progress. And so by the time they got to the 10th time, he said, fine, God says, fine, you can have it your way. Let's make it Burger King out here in the wilderness. 
You kept saying, what God, we died in the wilderness. What God, we died in the wilderness. Fine, die in the wilderness. You can have what you say. You got to be careful with that mouth of yours. And he says, your children, who you thought were going to be prey, I'm going to use them to take the territory. And that whole first generation that saw the miracles of God in Egypt, that whole first generation that crossed the Red Sea did not enter into the promised land. That wasn't plan A. God wanted them there within a couple years. And so many never walked in. That wasn't God's will. It wasn't his plan. So many of us have settled for plan Z. We need to get back on plan A. Instead of you coming up with a plan, ask God to bless it, how about you just do his plan that's already pre-blessed? Because so many of us have been off the plan so long, we've taken all these extra routes to try to get back on the main thing. And there's no condemnation if you're on plan Z or plan 35 because we ran out of letters. What I'm telling you today is, get on the plan, stay on the plan. Get on the path, stay on the path. He can still redeem the time. He can still make up for your past. I'm just talking to you now about your future. Don't go back to what you went through. You didn't like it then, that's why you left. Don't circle back, don't go in reverse. Stay on the path God has for you because God's plan for your life is good. I don't know about that, Pastor. Go to Jeremiah 29, verse 10 and 11. I need to challenge some people's thinking right now. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 10. Now, this verse in context, verse 11, everybody loves verse 11. But I want to give you the context of verse 11. God is talking to Judah. Israel has already been conquered. Judah, the southern kingdom, which is about two and a half tribes, and then the faithful who were from Israel who went to Judah, have now departed the plan of God, the path of God. They won't listen to God. And God said, the same thing that's going to ha happen to Israel is going to happen to you. And so he sends Jeremiah to preach to them about what's going to happen. But God said, I still have a covenant with you. I still have promises I made to David, to Abraham. And he says, the plan will come to pass. Now you're going to have to go to Babylon for 70 years. But when that 70 years are done, I'm going to bring you back here. And so this is in that context. He says in verse 11, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. And that word hope there means an end that you would hope for. So not just an end, but an end that you would hope for, that you would dream about, how you want how your life to be wrapped up. He says, that's my thoughts towards you. You've deviated from the plan. You've deviated from the path, but the way I think about you hasn't changed. My will for your life hasn't changed. My plan for your life hasn't changed. This is the goodness and mercy of God. And so many of you say, well, I haven't experienced that type of goodness yet. Go to Romans chapter 6. 
Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. And I need you guys to grab my prop from backstage, and Matt, I'm going to need your help. Romans chapter 6. I'm going to read verses 11 through 14 from the New Living Translation. And then you guys already know like props, so I'll show you my example. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give into the sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God. For you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. So let me see that bridge. So this is my guitar. I've never had a guitar lesson. It's on my list to one day learn how to play the guitar. It's been on my list for a while. That's why you can see the dust that's here. It's just been sitting in my home closet waiting for one day for me to pick it up again and play. I don't even know if it's in tune, man. See, he already let me know. It's not. And so you guys are about to watch me get my first guitar lesson. You guys okay for me to have my first guitar lesson real quick? Because, you know what, I couldn't make a sound, you know. See, I made a sound. Matt, was, that counts as a sound, right? That counts as a sound. Well, maybe, I know at least if I do this, that sounds a little bit better. But, you know, the issue is not the instrument. The issue is who's holding it. But now if Matt picks up his guitar, and plays. It sounds a lot better. So tell me something to do with this guitar. So the first thing I need to do is tune it. So you mean that I could have an instrument, but it could be out of tune? So wait a minute, no, I want to make sure you guys hear. You said it could be out of tune? Yes. And so you mean if I don't take care of my instrument, then it won't play like it's supposed to? That is correct. So you're saying there's a difference between my instrument and yours? That is also correct. Is it because you take care of your instrument? Yes, I do. And I don't think you keep yours hidden in the closet somewhere for months? No. So let's see what your instrument can do. How many of you can tell there's a difference? The difference is the care for the instrument and whose hands it's in. You are an instrument. Whose hand have you put yourself in? You've put yourself in the hands of anxiety, the hands of worry, the hands of fear. And you've made some sounds. You've made some noises. And you judge your life by the noises you've made in the past. But those noises you heard were the noises of an instrument not taken care of. The noises you heard were the noises of an instrument not in the right hands. But I'm challenging you today to take your instrument and put it in the hands of God. 
Put your instrument in the hands of God and then take care of your instrument the way he says, and then you're going to hear some melodies you never thought was possible. But if you keep your instrument in your own ways, yielding your instrument to sin, yielding your instrument to fear, worry, anxiety, everything the world says, if you keep yielding your instrument to those things, you will never see the melody God has created you and anointed you to play. Your life is an instrument. Whose hands have you put it in? Thank you, Matt. Thanks, Rich. So many of you have judged your life by the sounds you've played in the past. And those sounds weren't God's best for you. And so now you're saying, well, God doesn't have a future for me because I know the sounds of my past. I'm just telling you, those sounds are nowhere near what God wants to use you for. And see, with this word instrument here, we like to talk about musical instruments, but this word actually means a weapon. You're a weapon in the hands of God. You know, one of the things I've been confessing over my kids since they were born, and now I have them say about themselves, they say, we are arrows of light that destroy darkness. Because the scripture says kids are like arrows. What we're supposed to do, parents, fire them out to do what God has called them to do. And so we're here as weapons to destroy the darkness, to set the captives free. But if you don't keep yourself in the hand of God, then you become a weapon in someone else's hand. And see, the thing is, nobody can take you from God's hand. That's what Jesus says. Nobody can take you from the hand of God. But you and your brilliant self can hop out of his hand all day long. All right, let's go to Jeremiah 18. Jeremiah 18. We'll restart with verse 1. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I'll cause you to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and there he was making something at the wheel. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again into another vessel, as it seemed good to the potter to make. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter, says the Lord? Look, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. So number one point for today is keep yourself in the right hands. Keep yourself in the right hands. Because if you stay in God's hands, yeah, you might say, well, I got some issues. You know, if I'm like that piece of clay, I got some parts missing. I got some points broken. If you keep yourself in God's hands, he can fix what's not working right. But keeping yourself in his hands is staying in the plan, staying in the path, and staying at your post. It's realizing that he knows more than you. Anybody realize that yet about your Christianity? God knows more than you. If you haven't, I pray that you get to that place really quick. Great intercession. Prayer warriors, I might need your help on this one. He knows more than you. He knows why he created you. But in order to live out your purpose, you have to keep yourself in God's hands. 
a great definition of success is fulfilling God's purpose for your life. God wants you to be successful. He wants you to do everything he's called you to do. Now, so often people start on the path, but they never go forward. Dad Hagen said it this way, many people live and die and never get into phase one of what God's called them to do. They stay in the stage of preparation all their days. God has a good plan for your life, but you have to follow the plan and keep moving down the path. Go to Proverbs chapter 4, verse 24. something that helps you stay on the potter's wheel, helps you stay in God's hands, stay on the path, stay in the plan, stay at your post. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 26 and 27 says, ponder the path of your feet and let all your ways be established. Do not turn to the right or the left. Remove your foot from evil. The Amplified of verse 26 says, consider well and watch. Say watch. Carefully the path of your feet and all your ways will be steadfast and sure. Number two, you have to pay attention to how you are living. You have to pay attention to how you are living because it's very easy to get off the path. It's very easy to get off the path because some of you actually know God's plan for your life, but you can try to fulfill the plan your own way and get off the path. And he's like, well, see, I'm, it's God's plan for my life. Yeah, it's his plan, but actually do it his way. Because if not, you'll get yourself off the path and get frustrated. Say, so, well, God called me, but it didn't happen, so I guess God only uses those special people. And you come up with different excuses why it's not working in your life. You got the God idea, but did you stay long enough to get the concept and the insight? You got the idea, but did you get the implementation? Because some of us, we get so excited when we hear God talk. He says something, this is what I've called you to do. Oh, yes, Jesus, and you just take off running. Back step a little bit long enough for him to finish what you're saying and get step one. So many times we miss it because we didn't stay long enough to hear our next step. And so many of us feel like we're stagnated today because you haven't done the last thing he told you to do. And you have to understand sometimes steps take a long time to do. That if you said this is the next step, it could take you a few months to do, a few years to do. But you actually doing that step is a form of waiting on God. It's like the Old Testament miracle when they needed deliverance and they needed God to show up. And God told them, go and dig a whole bunch of ditches. That makes no sense. But guess what happened? God filled those ditches supernaturally. It didn't even rain. And so when the enemy came, they saw the ditches and they thought, oh, the whole army of the people of God must have died. And they go into attack, but they run into a trap. And so it took them time to dig those ditches. It took them effort to, build those, to dig those ditches. But it was God who filled them. So you may be taking a step now that is just digging some ditches. Anyone wondering, why am I digging this ditch? It's hot. It was cold the other day, but now it's hot. I'm sweating. It's about to get humid. There's a mosquito out there. I don't know why I'm digging these ditches. You do what God's called you to do. 
You do what he's told you to do, no matter if you think it's convenient or not. Because he's always, every step you take, I remember Rick Renner told me this years ago, the steps of obedience you take today set up for the steps of obedience you have to take tomorrow. And some of you can't get tomorrow's steps because you haven't done last year's steps. You have to do what he's telling you to do. And he'll never tell you to do something that's outside of the word of God. Because the scripture says in Psalms that his word is a light unto our feet and is a lamp unto our path. And so you have to pay attention to how you live. It's like, am I living the way the Bible tells me to live? If I'm not, I need to make an adjustment. I need to make a change. And I need to do it quickly. So that means every day you're comparing yourself to the Word of God. To see, and is the way I'm living that good, perfect, pleasing will of God? Am I doing the things God wants me to? Or have I, do I need to make some adjustments? There's no condemnation if you have to make adjustments. Just make them. There's no condemnation if you got off the path. Just get back on. You just have to make the decision to keep adjusting. Because the plan is important. The path is important. But so is the post. Because Ephesians 5, 15 through 17 says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And I believe we'll skip this next part. Ephesians 1 and Colossians 1 are prayers. I encourage you to pray for yourself every single day. You'll see there in my notes, the notes are on the Version Bible app and the Faith Plus app. For those of you who are not familiar with those prayers, personalize those prayers. Pray that for yourself every single day, that Ephesians 1 prayer, 16 through 21, that Colossians prayer, you see there in my notes, pray that for yourself. Because once you do, you'll begin to understand what God has called you to do. You'll begin to understand who you are in him and who you are to him. And you'll begin to be able to fulfill the plan and walk the path, but more importantly, man your post. And that's what I need to get to. Go to Colossians 4, verse 2. Colossians 4, verse 2. Now, we have a lot of people in this congregation, in this room, and online who are, who've served or currently serve in the armed forces or part of law enforcement. And one of the things is, every single one of them can tell you the importance of being at your post. For anybody who's served in the armed forces in here, is it important to be at your post? Just wave and testify. Is it important? This is not a deep word. Is it important? Is there some consequence if you're not at your post? But not just the consequences of what can happen from your chain of command, but what if an attack happened when you weren't at your post? It's not just consequences that you're gonna to have to answer for by your chain of command, it's who wasn't protected because you weren't at your post. There's so many things that happen in the world today because the body of Christ is off plan, off path, so they don't man their post. Colossians 4.2, it says, continue in prayer and watch. Say watch. watch. In the same with thanksgiving. Ephesians 6, 18 says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto. Say watch. watch. With all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Read to Isaiah 62, 6 through 7. It says, I have set watchmen on your wall. Say watch. watch. 
O Jerusalem, they shall never hold their peace day or night. You who make mention of the Lord, do not keep silent and give him no rest till he establishes until he makes Jerusalem a praise in the earth. Matthew 25, 13 says, watch, therefore. Say, watch. For you know neither the day nor the hour on which the Son of Man is coming. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. The plan and the path God has for you also comes with a post. And the post is supposed to be inhabited by a watchman. Now, all apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers have a part of a watchman's calling. The part of the watchman is to look out, to see what's coming, to see if there's an attack coming, to take care of the wall, and they would even announce the changing of days and seasons, and they would see if the weather is right. All five-fold ministry gifts are supposed to do that. But every believer actually has a post as well. Say, I have a post. So I have watchmen, responsibilities. So it's all to you parents. You are watchmen over your house. What have you allowed in? Hmm? It's quiet now. Maybe they're shouting online, amen. Maybe YouTube is having a revival or something. What have you allowed in? Oh, I'm careful. I watch everything they do. That's good. But have you taken your post in prayer? Because when we look at this Ephesians chapter 6, this whole, the analogy of the armor of God, there's one piece of the Roman soldier Paul didn't list, but we see it played out in verse 18. It's a lance. A lance was meant to deal with enemies at a long distance. So many of you are having day-to-day -day fights with just drama in life and you have no break is because you never took time to get that lance and strike down a long-distance enemy. You've waited for it to show up in your face, and now you're just fighting all day long when there's some things you weren't even supposed to fight today. But because you actually did in prayer last week, it could show up today. There is a post you're called to inhabit where prayer is concerned. There's a place in the spirit for you to inhabit where prayer is concerned, where you're supposed to watch and pray. But then it goes beyond just your family. It's also your neighborhood and your community. You say, well, that's, that happened down the street. That's too bad. Well, why don't you stop it? I remember Dad Hagen told the story a number of decades ago. The Lord told him, gave him this vision about these some certain things that were about to happen in the nation, and he told him three different things. And it says, it's your assignment to pray about it. You and the people I've signed, you are supposed to pray about these things and stop them from happening. And so he said, if we did for a few weeks, for a few months, I think even the first year, we stayed focused on it. But eventually we got distracted. We prayed about other stuff. We forgot about these things, that all these things happened in the nation, even up to the president of the United States in that decade. And Jesus spoke to him and said, I hold you responsible. I hold you more responsible than I hold the president. Because I told you, you were, it was coming and you didn't stop it. There's so many things that are going on in our nation today that it should have been stopped. Or at least lessened. Because there's some things you can't stop, but there are some things you can lessen. But if you don't inhabit your post, stuff will keep showing up. Let me give you another example. Sister Roe, if you can help me. 
Sister Nana, if you can help me. Did you guys come up and help me real quick? I want you guys to stand right here. They don't know I'm doing this, so they're wondering what this pastor up to. These are mighty women of God who would habit their posts of prayer. And so if you guys just stretch your hands like this. There are some things that should have happened to you on your path didn't because people like that were in their post. People like that who woke up early or stayed up late and prayed in the Holy Ghost and prayed things off of your path, got things out the way for you. There was a pitfall and they filled in the gap by their prayers. There's supposed to be a trap right there, but they moved it out the way when they woke up early and prayed in the Holy Ghost. It can't just be them. It can't just be a few anointed mothers of Zion who know how to pray, who know how to move back the forces of darkness, who know how to move back hell. It can't just be a few. It has to be the entire church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because if we actually stood in our place, in our post consistently, things would change. It is the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman that avails much or causes tremendous power to be made available. You have to get to your post. You have to inhabit your post. You have to say, oh, I'm not that good at praying. Well, start somewhere. Inhabit that post. So I don't know what to say. Pray in the Holy Ghost. And not out of fear, but out of faith. Because God has anointed every one of us with different topics to pray about and pray for. There's different things that he's put on your heart that you need to pray about. Then pray it out. And some things are prayer projects, meaning it takes time to deal with. It takes time to handle. It takes time to unravel. And so that means every day you go to that post. Every day you take some more time and pray. He said, well, I only have an extra 10 minutes today. Then you take that 10 minutes. Well, tomorrow I only had five. Well, you take that five. Well, the next day I had 30. Then you take that 30. You have to man your post. But it's hard to man the post if you're off plan and off path. There's too many things going on in our world and in our nation. And we think an election will fix it. God have mercy on us. The body must inhabit its place. And our authority will only work the way it's designed to if we're in our position, if we're on path, if we're on the plan. There are things that need to move in this area. There are things that must change. There are things that must be handled. And God will raise you up in your areas to do it but you have to be at your post. It can't just be these faithful mothers in Zion. It has to be all of us. All of us taking extra time to pray, to yield ourselves to the spirit of prayer. So, well, Pastor, I'm so tired of mine. I don't even think it was effective. So don't judge your prayer life by what you felt. 
so I didn't feel like I moved anything today. Don't judge your prayer life by what you felt. Be faithful. Stay at your post. Because we already have people coming in now, and they're coming in in droves very soon, who will be coming in here who don't know anything about Jesus. They don't know anything. They just know somehow they ended up in the building. Now, we've had people in here say, I don't even know how I got here, but Jesus got me. But they're going to come in from the world with all the world hanging off of them. And they're going to need healing. They're going to need deliverance. They're going to need help. They're going to need a church that needs a church that knows how to love them and pray them through. The old Pentecostals say, you got to pray people through. Pray them down the path. Pray them to a place of maturity. Paul said, I travail again until Christ be fully formed in you. Meaning you're saved, but y'all some babies, so I've got to pray some more. And it shouldn't just be me and the mothers of Zion. It's going to take all of us praying people in. Because with that, the attacks diminish. He'll try, but they fail. The weapons are formed, but they won't prosper. The tongue rises up, but it's condemned in judgment. We have to be people of prayer. Thank you, ladies. You have to take your post. I remember in 2020, the Lord gave First Lady this dream during the night. And she woke up in the middle of the night and woke me up to tell me, I'm like, Jesus didn't wake me up, he woke up you. That's what I wanted to say. I don't think I said it out loud, but that's what I thought. <laughs> I said, he woke you up during the night. He wants me to sleep. <laughs> but part of that dream and that vision was she saw something coming. And there are these many different cities and these castles on the mountain. And the, pe the areas that were distracted to sum it up, the lights went out. But the areas who were watching and praying, she says, in that vision, that dream, she says, I saw people of our church with their hands stretched out like that, praying. And because they were in their place praying, the lights where we were never went out. And it wasn't just me praying, or her, whenever you woke me up at 2 a.m. praying. It was more than us. We have to inhabit the place in the spirit God's called us to inhabit. And I know this is deeper to some of our newer people, but there is a spirit realm. And what's affected by most is when we yield to God and let him pray through us, to pray about what matters to him. Because some of the things we've seen even over the last year, even two, God has been positioning us as a faith family to have an even more effective voice than just where Cobb County is concerned. Doors are opening to deal with things on a high level. But it's only going to be dealt with if we all pray. You know, there was this old-time famous preacher, Charles Spurgeon, and they called him like the prince of preaching because he was just really effective and had a long ministry. And someone asked him, What's your secret? He said, I'll tell you my secret. How many want to know his secret? He was just effective for decades upon decades. He said, my secret is my people pray for me. 
Charles Finney, responsible, one of the people responsible for the Second Great Awakening that shifted this nation where it needed to be. And part of the Second Great Awakening, things happening is what brought down slavery. And he was one of the people used for this, but it wasn't just his preaching who did it. There was a man by the name of Daniel Nash. They called him Father Nash. He actually was originally backslidden, but Jesus got a hold of him and brought him back to the fold. He was off path, but got, back, got him on the path. And he started traveling with Charles Finney. He was like his secret service, but he didn't do security. He went ahead a few weeks in advance, and he and Abel Clary, they would just pray heaven to earth. And they would get there up to three weeks before him, and they would just pray. And so by the time Charles Finney would get to town, there was one story of a lady said, you know, they, these, these, two, these couple of individuals, they're kind of weird. I think they might be sick. They rented this house, but I walked open the door, and they're just on, on the ground, and it seems like they're sick. Can you come check on them? And she, he walked in the room and says, there's nothing wrong with them. This is the spirit of travail. They're praying. And they got into the city of Rochester, New York. 100,000 people got saved. In the 1800s, 100,000. Because a couple of guys decided to pray. And they prayed with such intensity that they would hear Charles Finney pray. You don't think we're not going to have revival? We are going to have revival. And notice what brought the revival wasn't an election. It was the people of God praying. One of the things I've learned about praying, you have to pray for political officials. Because the enemy targets them. Not just with the normal things you're targeted with. Rulers of darkness. Princes of darkness. He assigns to go after certain leaders. And most of them, can't say all of them, a lot of them, don't know how to pray those things off. And so they're at the mercy of a church that knows how to pray. And I've met political figures before, so we're praying for you, say, oh, thank God. Because they only can be effective if the church prays. There's so much more I know God wants to get done in this area. There's so much more I know he wants to get done in the state. But it's going to happen if we stay on plan. We stay on path and we stay at our post. Because what happens as we pray, things change. Like the whole atmosphere of this area is changing because we're gathered right now as the word goes forth. But what happens on Sunday is amplified by a praying church. There are plans of darkness that must be shut down by a praying church. There are people who must be set free because there's a praying church. Stand to your feet. God's plan for your life is good. So keep yourself in his hands. Pay attention to the way that you're living. And make sure you take your post in prayer. Things will change if the people of God pray. So let's pray. Thank you for streaming this message. I believe it encouraged you and is to help you make Jesus famous in your everyday life. We would love to be, stay connected with you. So subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, our YouTube channel, download our Faith Plus app, 
and visit us at FCCGA.com to learn more about our ministry. If you would like to support our ministry financially, you can also do so by our website at FCCGA.com or by texting FCCGA to 73256. If you would like to submit a prayer request, you can do so at our website as well. We would love to agree with you in faith and we know you'll receive an answer according to the word of God. Once again, thank you for streaming this message. And remember, God has a great plan for your life and something good is going to happen to you today. So expect miracles. God bless.